TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Greg Giannotti, Brian Jones, Gio and Jones across the country on CBS Sports Radio. And joining us right now, Alabama head football coach, five-time national champion, Nick Saban. Coach, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing, doing well. Yeah, we're doing really well. I just want you to know that Brian and I each have an unopened twenty-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola <laughs> in front of us while we do this interview. Just <laughs> I wish I had a big egg sandwich to go with it. <laughs> so uh, I just I think about you and your approach to to every season and coming off of a, a big loss in a national championship game and how long that sticks with you. So when do you eventually, if ever, uh, get over something like that that happened in the national championship game? Well, I don't know that you ever get over it. I, I think that, you know, it was an opportunity lost, and uh, the only way that you can look at it is you have to move ahead, look forward. Um, you've heard me say before, don't waste the failure. Sort of try to figure out, you know, what you could have done better, how you can improve on it, whether it was how you prepared for the game, how you finished the game, uh, things you did well, things you did poorly, and what you need to correct. And hopefully psychologically it, it affects everybody in the organization, makes them a little hungrier in terms of what they want to do in the off season and how they approach this season and the challenges this year's team have. And, Coach, along those lines, anytime there's an excruciating loss, whether it's a blowout or it's a close one like that in, in the, the ultimate uh, championship game, uh, usually you don't want to see that film. But will you go back and, and splice it up and, and show it to particular guys and, 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 and coach them uh, as far as partic- particular situations that could arise again? Well, we, we, we do that in every game, win or lose. I mean, you know, we're constantly trying to make our team better. So it's not about whether you lost the game, whether you lost on the last play, whether you lost it by a lot, uh, or whether you won it close or won it by a lot. You know, we, we're always going to do quality control on the things that we did well, the things we did poorly, the things we need to do better, um, critical errors that we made in the game, strategic planning errors we made as coaches that would have helped us play better. So, you know, the next time we play that team or something similar to that, maybe we'll we'll, we'll do a little better. So that that's just a part of it. So we always do that. I think the the psychological part of it is, you know, when sometimes when you win games like that, uh, like we did the year before, you get a little more complacent. You're not as willing to make the changes you need to make to uh, actually improve. You know, everybody's got to be able to. Uh, be self-critical if you're going to improve, and everybody's got to be able to take constructive criticism so you can improve. And in an organization like this, I don't care what we did, how many games we won, we're always trying to improve each individual player and our team. Oh, along those lines, again, Coach, you, you talked about being improving or improving and not being content. And I had a former uh, teammate, Ken Norton Jr., is now the defensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders, and he used to always say, don't get soft with success. How do you not get soft with all the success you've amassed, and how do you keep the players from becoming content? Well, 
I, I think that um, you always look ahead. Uh, I guess the best analogy would be climbing a mountain. You're always looking up. Uh, you're always trying to get to the top. Not everybody gets to the top. Very few people who do get to the top stay on top. So the moral to that story is, is you better keep climbing all the time. And, um, you know, this is this is something that we try to emphasize with the players. But our approach with our players is not necessarily about outcomes. It's more about process of what you have to do to be the best player that you can be. Uh, we don't just do it as a player. We do it as a person. We do it as a student. And we do it as a player. So the culture is, you know, more defined to be successful not necessarily defined by just the outcome, but successful being as good as you can be at whatever you choose to do. Gio and Jones with Nick Saban across the country on CBS Sports Radio. You've always struck me as someone that is spending every minute of every day trying to be better and continue to remain on top and keep climbing, as you say. Uh, how much time do you allow yourself to relax in, in the off season? Is there been a stretch where it's been more than just a couple of hours? Oh, yeah, I uh, I've learned through the years that you got you got to take advantage of downtime and uh, spend some time with your family because you know during the season in recruiting it doesn't allow for much of that and uh, spend some time doing some things that you enjoy. So personally. So that that's I've learned to do that through the years. I can honestly say that maybe 25 years ago I didn't do it very well, but I've learned to do that better with age. Yeah, I think you were heading to a little vacay when we last saw you at uh, Media Days in Birmingham a few weeks ago. So that's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do during your downtime? What what do you like to do? Uh, I like to spend time with my family, but I also like to play golf and. Every now and then we'll go fishing, whether we fly fish in the mountains or, you know, go out in, in our place in Gasparillo and tarpon fish or, you know, go in the back bay and fish for snook or whatever. And I mean, we, um, you yeah, know, but I, I still think that even when I do these things, it's not like total downtime. You know, there's <laughs> always a little bit of recruiting. There's always a little bit of watching film or tape or evaluation of players. But I enjoy that. I, I I like to have something to do. I just like to be able to get away from it for a little while. If there was one part of your job that you could choose not to do anymore for the rest of your career, what would that be? Well, I, I, you know, I get asked this question quite a bit, but um, I, I, there, there really isn't any part of it. Now, the part of it I like the best is, you know, recruiting the players and trying to develop the players um, here in the program, personally, academically, and athletically. Uh, but then all the other things that go with it, whether it's speaking to alumni groups or media relations or managing staff, um, all those things are very important to being able to do the first two. So um, I, I don't really dislike any of them. Um, it's I guess you just kind of get used to it after a while. Um, so, and as you develop more and more relationships in all these areas, it gets a little bit easier to manage. See, I thought you were going to say weekly press conferences up at the podium <laughs> because I feel like there's at least a four or five times a year we'll play some audio of you getting real fired up over something. And it seems like you don't want to be there. That would have been my guess. Well, 
you know, it's an opportunity to send out a message. It's not necessarily I don't want to be there. And um, it's how you choose to send it. <laughs> we know how you choose to send it sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's effective. Yeah, and, and, and I, I dig it to say the least. Uh, you, you mentioned recruiting, and, and Coach, you recruited all over the country. We talked to you on on, uh, on signing day this past February. And my question is this, because back when I was playing, the D recruiting would take place from those upperclassmen on the team. Is that still the case, or is it where – these young men just know when you go into Alabama, we just better fall in line. No, we, we, we do a lot of, um, we have a lot of what we call personal development programs. And, um, we, we do a lot to sort of integrate the guys into what they need to do to, uh, adjust as student athletes in college, just like there's a lot of stuff that you have to do when you go from college to the NFL and, I meet with the players a lot. Uh, we have a couple sports, a, a psychiatrist, sports psychologist. Um, you know, we have a leadership group on the team. Uh, we're trying to get the players to buy into development. You know, what do I have to do to develop? Don't don't just think you're going to come right in and play uh, without making a commitment to, um, you know, learning the offense, uh, becoming a complete player at your position. Uh, a lot of people in this day and age are very result oriented. Um, you know, they, they, they sort of mistake, um, you know, goals for outcomes. In other words, receiver wants to catch 50 balls. Well, that's an outcome to me. That's not really a goal. So, um, and they have to understand these are the things you need to do to catch the 50 passes. And that's what we want you to focus on. And that's what we want you to do. So, uh, it's, 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 most guys get it. Most guys understand it. Um, but what we kind of preempt that in recruiting too. So the players that come here sort of, they're sort of prepared for it. You know, they, I always tell them, you know, I don't want you to commit to Alabama. I want you to commit to all the things we're going to do to help you be successful as a person, as a student and as a player. And if you're ready to do that, then, you know, come on. So it's <laughs> kind of how we do it. Talking to Nick Saban on Geo and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. What do you think it's like to work for you? Um, look, I, I always try to be fair and honest with uh, everybody in our organization, but I don't po- apologize for being demanding, um, you know, to doing things the right way and to the standard and um, that that we need them to be done. And... Um, you know, sometimes people um, get a little—I don't know—offended or whatever if they get confronted when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But I don't know how else you do it. You do that with players, so you have to do it with everybody in the organization, and everybody's got to understand that and expect it. And it's not personal. It's just this is this is the way we do it here, and this is how it needs to get done. And I personally, you know, when I work for Bill Belichick, I that's how he did it. You know, he defined the expectation and the standard and you had to be responsible and accountable to it. And that's kind of how we do it. But I actually like that because you always knew exactly what was expected and you always knew exactly, um, what would happen if you didn't do it the right way. So, you know, it's, I can't speak for everybody that works for me, but just from a leadership perspective, that's what I try to do. And I think, a lot of people get it. Maybe there's a few that don't. 
Yeah, there's coach, been a few. <laughs> coach, your approach, is it a direct result of how you were coached as a player? Um, well, yeah, I think everything that I do, I basically learned someplace else from somebody else. And I had some really good mentors through the years and started with my college coach, Don James, who was very much like I just spoke. I mean, mm-hmm. he he was, you know, well-organized, defined the expectation. Everybody had to be accountable to it. Players, coaches, it didn't matter. And he's very well organized and was a very successful coach. And so when I started out in this business, that's how I thought it should be. And I realized as I grew up in the profession, it wasn't always that way everywhere. So, um, but I said, if I ever got the opportunity, that's how I kind of make it. So, and um, it, it, you don't have to be disrespectful to people when you when you do what I just said, but um, there's some people that are afraid to ever tell someone. Um, no one should be offended. If if every if everybody's goal is to be the best, uh, to win, uh, and get everybody in the organization being the best version of themselves then everybody should want to do what they have to do to be able to do that. They shouldn't be offended if they're corrected. Um, you know, I've told coaches before, you know, if I correct them, they get all upset, but you know, they dog cuss their players like it's nothing. And I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, I don't think you could play for yourself. <laughs> could you play for you? Yeah, I could play for me. <laughs> You mentioned Belichick before. Have you ever seen this guy happier? He was in Nantucket Magazine sitting in a field yeah. with with Linda smiling and modeling. I mean, I think this guy found his happy place. Well, I, I don't think that um, – look, I think – I don't think Bill's been unhappy in his life. Um, <laughs> if you know him well and you know him behind the scenes, um, I, I think sometimes the image you project to the public – for probably strategic reasons, maybe a little bit different than, you know, the person inside. Um, so, you know, I, I've never ever known Bill or been concerned about Bill being unhappy. Mm-hmm. I think he's very serious about what he does, and he's pretty intense about trying to get it the way he wants it. And he's been real successful at doing that. Now. I don't see anything wrong with that. Now, the image sometimes that it projects, you know, leads people like you all to think that, you know, the guy's some kind of tiller the hunt or something. But <laughs> I mean, he, he, he isn't like that at all. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I, I'm not really like you all think either. So, Well, who is but, the Nick Saban that we don't know then? Well... I mean, you have to come and find out. <laughs> okay, how much time will we have with you? Well, just a little bit. <laughs> I saw my man Marcus Spears, your former player there at LSU, was driving you around. Seemed like you guys were having a good time. So uh, can, can we come and drive you around and, and get to know you a little better? Well, see, that's somebody who knows me. Right. All right. And people who know me and play for me and all that are, are a little different in terms of their perspective than other folks so um you know but anyway it is what it is you know your blind spot is 
kind of what how you perceive yourself relative to what everybody else perceives you. So, you know, and my wife tells me mine's as big as the Grand Canyon. So <laughs> I got it. I get it. <laughs> I got the feeling that you don't give a damn, though. Uh, I care about what she thinks, but I, right. I wouldn't want. Yeah, but no, I mean the rest of us. Yeah, her, of course. Well, I, you know, I res- I try to treat people right and respect them, and you know, I just um, I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about what everybody else thinks. If I'm think I'm doing the right thing and being fair and honest, um, I, maybe they just don't understand. <laughs> Did it take you a while to get to that point as well, or has that been something you've been good at, not really? caring about the perception or what people think of you no i i think it takes a while i think you know when you get criticized fairly and unfairly you know eventually you sort of sift through and don't really listen or read much about the good things and you don't really listen or get affected much about the bad things and because really as a leader in an organization you, you can't be affected by those things to make decisions that um, may not be the best for your organization but you're you're emotionally affected by what somebody else thinks or says so that's that's a dangerous place to get yeah it is uh, let me ask you real quick about your your quarterback Jalen Hurts uh, of course a fantastic year last year as a true freshman uh, what are some of the th- uh, areas you wanted him to work on heading into the offseason in the spring Right. Well, I think the big thing in the offseason was to try to develop him as a more efficient, effective passer, and he's done a really nice job of that. Um, You know, last year uh, we made plays in the passing game, but probably not as consistently as we'd like, and it wasn't really – Jalen was a freshman. Uh, We were a little risk-aversive in how we developed him. Um, But at the end of the day, um, that's – what we would like to see him be able to do better so that we can utilize some of the other skilled players on our team a little better. And I think he realized that, and I think he bought in and worked hard and has really made a lot of improvement this offseason. Just another minute with Nick Saban. Chuck Knoll famously said, if you think about retirement, you're already retired. Do you ever think about life after football and what that would be like? Uh, Not really. I'm you know, I kind of think more about I've always been a part of a team since I was nine years old. and Can't really imagine myself not being a part of a team, uh, doing something uh, that has some impact and effect on helping people be successful. I enjoy that. And God willing, as long as I am healthy and can do it, I'd like to continue to do it. <laughs> Who are some of the, the new faces that you, you feel will emerge as leaders of this year's team? Well, I I still think that's yet to be determined, especially probably more on defense than offense. You know, we have more returning players on offense than we do on defense. And most of the leadership, we had seven guys drafted off our defense last year. So a lot of guys to replace um, capable players, but how they assume those roles. And some of those roles are guys that need to step up and, you know, affect other people in a positive way and, um, take command of you know what's going on and that's something that um, is probably yet to be determined you know Brian was invited to one of the college football playoff committee meetings is there any message you want him to relay on your behalf while he's there no not really I'm, 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 
Need to get in some political turmoil here. <laughs> oh, Bill Hancock, he's a good friend of the show. No, no political uh, rankering or anything like that, Coach. Yeah, he does a great job. He does a good job, and the system has created a lot of interest. So it's all good. Okay, well, let's follow up on on uh, what you propose, and everyone's uh, all up in arms about it. It's a bridge too far. I actually like the fact that you want Power Five teams playing Power Five teams. But the rub is, and I always say this, Coach, about big-time college sports, whether it's football or basketball, if you're looking for that socialism that you hear on the political scene, look no further than big-time college football or basketball because that's where it lives. And those programs, the lesser programs that usually subsidize their programs by playing big, iconic brands like yours, they will be hurt uh, if we go to this model that you're proposing. Are you at all concerned with that? Well, I, I think that it would actually give us a better opportunity to determine who the best teams were because it'd be more like intersectional type games. So it's really hard to determine um, the competitive balance between one conference and another. And the assumption is, is they're all the same. And that's probably not exactly right. Um, strength of schedule has huge deviation uh, in college football, you know, right now. And I don't know how you can sort of calibrate that uh, effectively and correctly. So, um, you know, I, I look, I'm an ONFL guy. So um, and I'm talking about for the fans, um, you know, for the people in the program, I think you could get in the playoffs, and just because you lose one game doesn't mean you would be out of it. Uh, sort of like the NFL, the Giants lost six games a few years ago and won the Super Bowl. So, um, you, you know, you play better competition all the time. Um, I think players would be more interested. Um, so, I, you know, just uh, – uh, look, it's not worth talking about because nobody's ever going to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't give up just yet. I'm with you. I'll get out there and promote it with you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, I got a staff meeting I got to go to. I appreciate your time. Good talking to you. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll hope to see you somewhere down the road, okay? Thanks, Coach. Absolutely. It's, it All was right. our pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> there goes uh, Nick Saban. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.